0: To the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life. And we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Turn your Bibles to John 16:33. John 1633. And we're gonna start just with some words of Jesus. What we're gonna do is is I'm going to do a synopsis pretty much of what I've covered over the past couple weeks and bring it down into something um, just, I I believe, will help us in um, having something that can and will uh, be put to use daily, and that's so important for me to uh, recognize the key to our success is that a bunch of information really isn't going to do you any good unless you're going to use it. So I want to simplify it as best as I can and bring it to conclusion as far as temptation and how to overcome, how not to bite in the temptation. And it's so important to understand this, again, because we're all tempted. We're all tested. There's trials. I'm going to share with you and show you scripturally just how um, the Bible shows us the difference in the two of test and temptation. Um, and, and it's it's not going to be very difficult. It's very simple, but everything in scripture is tied to the context of the word. It's not tied to one specific scripture verse, but the context of why the verse is in there, and that will help you understand uh, why people get confused of God and the position of testing and and tempting, and you will hear people because they're confused that they'll use temptation as something that God uses, that he'll bring temptation your way. And that's unscriptural, and I'm telling you right now, it doesn't happen. He does not do that. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at these things and I believe, I have no doubt it's going to help you because ultimately the success in our lives comes down to what? Knowing, knowing, everybody say knowing, knowing. and that's the success. Listen, we're in church, we got a Bible, don't define this religiously, this is life, everybody say life. When it comes to this, it's about life. And everything tied to life is tied to this principle, knowing. That's where your success comes. Uh, no matter what you're doing right now, you're doing it because you have knowledge. Okay, you're, you're not going to all of a sudden, you know, one of your doctors says, you know, I think we're going to need to have brain surgery. And you say, hey, pastor, can you do it? Because you can be cheaper. <laughs> I, 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 would you do that? Why wouldn't you? What if I said I'm a brain surgeon? You see what I'm saying? In other words, you're like going, no, 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 that's not how it works. But it's interesting that when it comes to Bible stuff or church stuff, we do just that. We do just that. And that's what we have to change. We we have to quit looking at, you know, we've got issues in our marriage, so we go to the person who just has a worse marriage than us, and we want information. We we want to talk to people that don't have fruit. They don't have a, a, a life of success in an area, but we want their information. And, and it's only because it's a church thing. We do this. But in knowledge and natural life, we don't do this at all. And so what's, what's, what's that show us? It shows us that when it comes down to it in our lives, we need to be careful because we can be religious and not relevant. Right. And... and the Bible is not that way. It's relevant completely and not religious. Religion comes from men. Religion comes from, uh, like the Bible shows us, the Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes that would take one command of God and make a hundred commands under it. And it's it just, that's going to bring bondage. We want freedom, amen? So knowledge is going to bring us freedom. John sixteen thirty three says this, these things I have spoken to you that in me, everybody say in me, you may have peace in the world, say in the world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. He said in me equals peace. In the world, in world equals what? Tribulation. Now that's what the Lord's showing us. He's, he's talking to them right after he was telling them, listen, I'm going to go. God loves you. You love me, you know, and I want you to understand something. You're going to have tribulation. When I'm out of here, there's going to be a lot of pressure. It's a Greek word, thlipsis, thlipsis. And what that means is it, it means this pressure that's, that feels like it's crushing you. And that's what the Greek word says. It says, in this you will have what? You're going to have distress, trouble, anguish. You're going to have pressures. In this world, you're going to what? Have these pressures. In me, what are you going to have? Peace. Peace. Where we can all dress like hippies and wear little peace signs. No. That word is Irene, which is tied to the Hebrew word shalom, which literally is a power word that means Nothing in your life missing, nothing in your life broken. Prosperity, success, health. That's what the true word means. And that's what Jesus says. In me, oh my Lord, in me, good things are going to happen. And that's what he he said. He doesn't lie, does he? No. So what's that in mean? The in in this, in, in the language here, it means the relationship, the connection the tying to. He says, in your relationship with me, in your transformation with me, in your new life that you've received because of me, you're gonna have nothing missing, nothing broken. That's what's available to you. So that's a pretty pretty strong position, right? So here we are, Jesus saying, this is what's going to happen. There's gonna be these pressures in life temptations in life. You ever thought about temptations? I mean, we look at it, usually it's, it's one bad one that we have a, a negative action with, something we fail in. So we look at temptation in that major area. But y'all uh, all need to understand that temptation is tied to you specifically. Like, like S- Sasha just said, I'm going to get the cheesecake. Now you throw up, I guarantee you throw a cheesecake ice cream right here, and I bring, I bring it in and just set it right there. I'm going to tell you right now, it'll be a temptation for her. For, for me? That's disgusting. <laughs> but wait a minute. It, when you look at it, it's a temptation to someone, but a temptation not to another person. Now think about that, because it might sound simple, but that's a fact about temptation. Now she can change that to something, you know, more normal and get like a strawberry ice cream. But you know what I'm saying? In other words, that temptation is only because this is an area where her flesh, her nature has said, this is what I want. This taste I want. And other people it's like, nah, if it ain't chocolate, I ain't doing it. Do you see what I'm saying? So this is the temptation area. we got to look at it correctly. Okay. Hebrews 4.15 says this. Jesus has been tempted in every way just as we are yet was without sin. Jesus was tempted in every way. Now, we jump to the conclusion. Remember what I just showed you? That cheesecake wasn't temptation for me. Now, when you get to the deepness of temptation, there's foundational principles of it. There's things that establish what the temptation truly is. So you can can have a lust, temptation of lust after a woman or, or after a man. And it can have that temptation pulled to you. But what is the underlying factor in that? say, if you're married or whatever, you've got this thing pulling at you, but the truth is, is it's not really tied to that specifically. That's a fruit of a deeper root. Do You see what I'm saying? So when you think, well, I, I've been tempted to look at naked women. Well, Jesus wasn't tempted to look at naked women. You see what I'm saying? In other words, that wasn't a temptation in here. But maybe the pride or a dominating force or an attitude of I'm, I can be greater, I can overcome, that in itself leads to these other actions. That's all I'm saying. So we don't want to look at temptation as in, you know, Jesus wanted to steal with Judas. It was a temptation. Judas was stealing, so it tempted Jesus to steal. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, it might be a temptation of you and you say, well, Jesus was tempted the same way. No, he wasn't. He was tempted at the foundation, the the root of what leads to stealing? Poverty? Lack? Oh, come on now. This is really good. All right. Are you getting this, guys? All right. So he's been tempted. We know this. And he overcame them all. Why is that so important? Because it wasn't God being tempted. It was Jesus born in the flesh being tempted. Remember, Scripture says the first Adam and the last Adam. First Adam, Adam. Last Adam, Jesus. First Adam, succumbed to temptation. Last Adam, didn't. And we're going to see these, and it's very important to see it, okay? So temptations will come. It's not if. It's when they will come. James 1, 2 says this. Count it all joy when you fall into various. Everybody say various. Various. Okay, so that means it's just not one way. There's all kinds of different ways. Various temptations, various testings, various trials. Remember, we looked at the Greek word, and it's pretty much the same thing. Now, what you have to understand is translation of the English word is why it has different wording. So we can read it saying tempting, temptation, in a context of what they believed it was about, And then we can change, they can change it to the word trial and they were tried. They were tested, but it's the same word. You guys see this? So there's something you have to look at because the temptation and a testing, though in context, it pretty much defines the same action of the Greek word, but there's a different context of what is causing the temptation, what causes a test. Like, I, I never went to school and I said, oh, my gosh, we have a temptation coming this Friday. <laughs> do you guys do that? Oh, we got finals, <laughs> the final temptation. <laughs> is, is, no one does that. Why? Because we know there's a difference between a test and a temptation. But what happens is religion mixed the two. And they'll say, they'll say that, you know, hey, there was this, this, this guy, this girl came on me, whatever. I would just be tempted by God. No, you weren't. And that's what religion does. It, it deceives through man's view, religious viewpoints. So let's move right on. It says, when it comes to it, James 1:2, count it all joy when you fall into various temptations, testings, trials. That's a group perezo or, or pizzo. It says, verse three, knowing, very important word, knowing is in scripture all over the place in the New Testament. Knowing we need to be what? Knowledgeable people of the word of God. Knowing that the testing, whoa, whoa, whoa. Didn't, whoa, whoa. Fall into various trials. Fall into various temptations. Knowing that the testing, okay, so this is changing The words, it goes to the place of we come into temptations, then it comes to a testing. So that means we have to pay attention to context, right? But again, if you don't understand this, you're going to already define temptation as, you know, a, a pornography. Various kinds of pornography temptations and the testing of my faith. No, that's not at all what it's teaching. At all. So the context has to give us the understanding of what the scripture is talking about. So the, it's so important to understand this because there are two types that we're dealing with, and we have to understand both of them. You're going to have victory because you do. And that's what's so cool about this. Are y'all with me? All right. So he says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? So there's a process of benefit, right? This is what we have to look at. When it comes to the place of test or testing, there is a positive benefit to it. There's something that's going to help you, benefit you, strengthen you in life. And testing is always tied to faith. On the other hand, temptation is not. Temptation is never tied to faith. Your faith. And what is faith? Belief. Your your confident expectation. That place where you know that you know. That's faith. All right? This is cool. The testing is always tied to faith. Temptation is tied to, like we saw last week, old nature temptation is tied to the old nature, and your old nature is sin nature. Remember that? Everything about your life is tied to sin nature or renewed spirit. Sin nature or renewed spirit. The sin nature or the old man, the Bible says, the old passed away, the new creation, the difference between the two is the training in a nature of sin and the renewing of the born-again spirit in your life right now. If you receive Jesus, your spirit is alive unto God, you're one with him, and now there's a renewing that has to take place, not in the spirit because it's complete, but in the mind so you don't succumb to the old ways, the old nature. Are you following me? I'm helping on this because what we don't do is we're not gonna start pinpointing sin. Let me pick at your sins and we're talking about, let me pick it all the things that you're doing. Because everything that you do was because of a nature. This is when you understand this, when you get this, you can grab hold of why people are so messed up out in the world because they're thinking we're just talking about don't steal, don't cheat, don't do porn. We're saying all that and then God will and that's not scriptural, what we're saying is this, you're going to do that until you change the nature. Change the nature, and now you have the ability. Everybody say ability. No, it ain't going away. You have the ability to overcome it. Why? Because you have years of experience of creating these habits. Years and years and years. So it's, it's, it's in your subconscious. You don't even think about it. You react. You do it. People go, Pastor, I'm a Christian. I go to church. I don't know why I can't change. Because you ain't changing this. If you don't change this, you don't get changed. You're born again. See, this is the dilemma. Again, you're born again. God dwells with you. But you can choose to sin. Not nature any any longer. You can choose to sin. Nature, you didn't have a choice. That's why when I talk to anyone at that, that, that does not know Jesus, I can look at them in a different way. Because I'm not trying to stop them from doing things. Quit cussing. Quit wearing those type of clothes. Quit doing that to your face. Quit doing that to your hair. Quit doing that to your body. I don't need to do any of that, and I'll never do any of that, because it's about nature, Sin nature. When you understand that, then you understand why everybody on this planet is all the same. You're born on this earth, you're born with sin nature. It's already there. It's not because you sin. An apple tree isn't an apple tree because it has apples. I don't care if that tree has apples or not. An apple tree is an apple tree because of its fruit, its DNA. I mean, its nature. Do you see? It's the nature nature will automatically or ultimately produce the fruit. So how do I change fruit? How do I change anger, lying, cheating, stealing? How do I change the fruit, change the nature? You guys hearing me? All right. So we got to have a change nature to be able to change action. Now, here, James 1.14 says this. Each one is tempted. Now we're going into where we're talking about temptations and not testing. Each one is tempted when by their own evil desire. Their what? Oh what what? Their what? Own evil desire. You're not tempted because of someone else. She's tempted for cheesecake. I'm not. Now, if it wasn't owned, then I'd be tempted. Then I don't like cheesecake. Ice cream. I mean, I don't mind cheesecake, cheesecake, if it's like the real thing and it has a bunch of strawberries on it like that. I think ultimately, literally, it's probably all the strawberries that I like more than anything because again, once I'm done with the strawberries, I'm like going, I'm done with cheesecake. I'm full. But, but the point is, is it's no temptation for me. Own desires and it puts evil because you can have good desires, right? Isn't that true? And that's a good thing to understand. Good desire and evil desire. Each one, turn it over, say, he's talking about you right now. Each one is tempted when by their own evil desire are dragged away and enticed. They're what? Dragged away and enticed. It, I like to see this because, first and foremost, when it comes down to it. When you're walking, when you have this relationship with Jesus, when you receive Jesus, it's not an automatic, okay, let's do it. It's a temptation. Let's grab it. You have a warfare inside now. You have that warfare that takes place. Now, everybody has this. But you beat down that feeling for so long, the warfare isn't as strong as it used to be, and you succumb to that temptation. You know where the the sad thing about this is, is most people don't even understand why they're that way. They just think they're, you know, I just got a problem with sex or I have a problem with this. No, it's what I said about Jesus. He was tempted in all points as we are. Well, you're looking at an effect of something deeper. You know what that effect is? Your own self-worth. Self-worth. Once you see yourself valuable, important, I'm going to tell you right now, a lot of those things out there don't even become temptation anymore because you're like going, I ain't going down that path. I'm better than that. And all of you, all of you can testify of that in some area of your life Every one of us can remember the time when we made the decision, no, it's not good for me. Well, that's a picture of your value valuing your image. The problem is, is we gotta bring it up to another level. We gotta level up this image, right? Not, not to where we have it now. We've gotta bring it up to king and queen position. That position where, man, we're royalty. And pretty soon with that attitude, Man, we don't, we don't fall for a lot of stuff. And that's what I want us all. I want us all in here to get to that place. I don't want some nasty man getting you because you succumb, because you feel like a loser. I want you to win. I, I want there to be a list that has to be checked off to pretty much when that person comes in, they're like, oh my gosh, it's almost like Jesus. Well, I'm not, that's too extreme, but you know what I'm saying? Let's put it this way. They got a lot of zeros in their bank account. Not zero starting, but after the fact. They got good credit. They're, they're honorable people. They have character. You start listening to these things, you're going to wipe out most of these people you're hanging out with, girls. Now listen to me. I can help you. All right. Moving right along. I can. Honestly, I can. You too, guys. Moving right along. Y'all with me? All right. So here we see that we're tempted when we're drawn by our own evil desire, dragged away enticed. Then, then, after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, sin when it's full grown, birth to, to death. So we see the process of it's destruction, it's destruction. So what does temptation do? Bring destruction. You ever died flunking a test? No. You might feel bad. You might really think this sucks and you'll come up with every reason why it happened. But the truth of the matter is, is it doesn't go through this process, does it? What it does is it reveals something in you and that is, I didn't know the answers. I didn't study good enough. You don't do that about temptation, do you? No. No, we don't. Are you guys seeing the differences now? Okay, because it's so important to know this. I'm sick and tired of seeing, hearing people talk about God in a way that is not his character. About him using this kind of stuff to test you. And it's a lie. It's a lie from the devil. And they say it on TV. They say it on radios. I mean, all over the place. And it's it's just, I want this church to go, it's got to stop. Everybody else got to make their own opinion. But the truth is, is God isn't doing this. And we saw it in scripture. He does not tempt, test, or try anyone. And, you, and people do that. They automatically go to the only two places they know. He tested Abraham. He t- and, and he tested Jesus. And that's their response. But it's not even a biblical response. It's a, it's a way of communication concerning an event, about something that we can't figure out why it happened. And when God told Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, God isn't sitting there going, I wonder if he'll do it. Because if he'll do it, I can't use him. And if he doesn't do it, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. Are you serious? When a teacher or professor gives you a test What are they doing it for? They're doing it to find out what you know. Ultimately, it's to you to find out what you know or don't know. That's pretty much what a test is for. That's what a quiz is for. It's only about that, not what the teacher knows, not what the professor knows. It's about what do you know? Where are you at in this journey? Do you grasp? Are you understanding the, the, the place or the level you should be at? And you get that, and you, and you do terrible one, terrible on it, you start realizing okay, what is it do I need to do? Mine was quit college. I mean, I, it was, it, no. But you see, we, we get to the place where, where we look at it in a right way. I didn't know, I didn't study, I didn't listen. We have all the reasons, but that's what it was for. And that's only what a test is for. And you're telling me God doesn't know? Now, the next stage is this. Everything in our life is about faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. What is that saying? God's saying you have to have this mindset of having greater in your forethought. Greater. Greater. Your old creation is not the new one. The new one demands better. That's why I've heard so many over the years of being a pastor, people coming to me and saying, I've never heard this stuff before, and my life is different than it has ever been before. How come? Because the word we've been teaching will change people's lives. I've seen men that said they'd never come to church before come and ultimately change their lives to where they're helping in church. I've seen people, women that were just so, I mean, like in a little box and scared and just it's quiet. After a few months become boast, boast within to where now they're, 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 they're communicating. They have an outward expectation of greater than when they first came in. Now what's doing that? Me? No. Not at all, it's what is coming out of me. And I tell anyone, and I can guarantee this, it doesn't even need to be a year, but I say this anyway. Give me a year, I guarantee you, you'll never be the same again. You'll never, ever, ever be the same again. I know this for a fact, I've been doing it long enough. You won't stay the same, it's impossible unless you choose to. Now, I'm gonna tell you right now, no one, no one in here, I don't care how long you've been in here, no one in here, in the beginnings of being here, did not have change. Y'all did. But then the ones that come long run of time, all of a sudden, stop having change. That's a decision you made, not because of me. All you have to do is look at the fruit at the beginning. The beginning's the truth, the middle isn't. And I've seen this over and over and over. But it's a choice you made. It's a choice you made. Dude, I mean, people, listen to me. I'm teaching what I've always taught, what I always know. Look at my life. I'm passionate about this. You can't fake this. This is what I know. And I'm teaching this stuff over and over and over and over again. Well, why isn't it making me complacent like some of you? Oh, yeah, that's right. You need to now take this test because the choice you made. You made a choice to make it lukewarm. You made a choice to be cold. You made a choice. The word of God is alive. And this Bible has never changed. So if you're looking through a new scripture in Ephesians, it's the same ones. You see what I'm saying? You have to understand this. Then what is it about? It's like Paul told Timothy. Paul trained Timothy. Timothy. He got, this, he got this young guy into a position of, I'm going to put you over some, you're going to be the pastor over megachurches in the beginnings of the churches as a young man. And ultimately, Timothy's writing Paul letters and saying, Paul, I'm sick and I'm scared and this is terrible. It's rough doing this. And Paul had to write to Timothy and said, oh, baby, I understand. You're, it's just it's so rough out there, and people are so mean, and it's just the way it's going to be. And it's, it's so nasty, nasty people. Did he do that? No, he said Timothy, stir up the flame. He said you need to do it. If you don't flame your, if you don't fan your flame, it went out a long time ago everybody's got to fan the flame. You know, every time I get into this, I'm fanning the flame. I get excited about it. I don't need to be talking to you about it to get excited about it. I get excited about it because, man, this stuff's awesome. And I know it, but it's so awesome. It's a living word. Are you guys seeing this? All right. So that temptation has a process. James 1, says this. Let no one say when he is tempted, Pirazzo, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Two truths you got to know. Number one, testing will come for the sake of your faith. It's life, it's a constant. Every single day you have a test. Everybody in here. it might be a pop quiz with two questions, but I'm telling you, listen, I'm telling you, you're tested every day. Number two, temptation does not have to come, it appears through evil desire and lust. <gasps> What'd I say? Tests come all the time, temptation doesn't have to. Isn't that interesting? Because scripture tells us where it comes from. We just read where it comes from. You're tempted by what? Your own evil desires. That old flesh nature. So it doesn't have to come. I, I think that's awesome. That gets me to a place of, wow, I can have victory and not have to deal with this stuff. But tests are going to come. But I'm okay with that. Because there are going to be times when I pass and there are going to be times when I fail. But the thing I understand about test is it's not destroying my faith. It's not, destroy, it's not destroying me. It's building me up. But when I fall to a temptation that I produced, that I caused to happen, that is affecting me. You guys getting this? Is it all coming, is, is it all coming together? Y'all got this? All right, don't, don't just sit there look at me that way. Look like, yeah, I got it. Do something, please. All right, let's look at the attack of Jesus. Here Jesus is starting his ministry. Um, he just got baptized by John, John the Baptist. All right, so in Matthew chapter 4, verse 2, Jesus under attack. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days, and this is where they, right there, as they say, see, God, God leads the testing. No, Jesus is going through into his ministry. The Holy Spirit is his leader, his guide. So what he's doing is he submitted to the directive of going into the desert, the wilderness. It's also a picture of Israel. It's a picture of them going into the wilderness, into the promised land. They're types, they're shadows. And so what happens to Jesus is, is he was water baptized and then the Holy Spirit descended upon him and God spoke and said, this is my son. This is my beloved son. I am pleased with him. He established a statement of identification to Jesus. Jesus just heard, my father's pleased with me. I don't know about you, but as a dad, I know what happens when you speak to your son or daughter and make those type of statements. It makes them feel good. How do I know that? Because I never heard it. And I know how terrible I felt. But I've seen my boys just pop up like they can accomplish anything. Are you guys listening? Okay. Jesus was led to the spirit when he had fasted 40 days, 40 nights. Afterwards, he became hungry. No, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights and he was starving. That's the Greek word. He's, he's in, his body is starving 40 days, 40 nights. I mean, you guys do a Daniel fast. You're freaking out and you're eating something. I mean, most fasts today are, we're fasting, but it's, I'm fasting, you know, sugar, but man, I'm going to eat this, you know, and, you know, when it comes down to it, if we're going to fast, don't eat nothing. The, the uh, medical science has proven such a massive benefit of your body going through a no food fast. It is beneficial, but it's difficult. Why is it so difficult? That flesh, that nature, man, I'm telling you, it's a nasty thing. It, it just, it, it will literally ruin your life if you allow it to. You have to stop yourself. If you don't stop yourself, you're going back in line in the buffet. You, you just do it. Your body doesn't care. It's like, going, do it again, do it again. I'm still hungry. And you could have went three times already and still like going, no, I'm still hungry. And how do you know if you're going to eat later? Let's fill up just in case. That's your body. It doesn't, your body doesn't sit there and go, hold tight, man. We got to chill on this. You could die. You could die. Your body doesn't do it. It doesn't care if you're going to die. It just, feed me, feed me. All right. Nasty flesh, huh? He was hungry or starving. Then the tempter came. Okay, so this happened at his weakest point. No, the enemy seeks whom he may devour. He's going to look for the position of when you're the weakest. I'll tell you right now, couples, hear me. After a fight, watch out for the devil. In a fight, watch out for the devil. Anytime you get to a place, a weakest point, he's going he's to try to mess with you. He's going to try to involve himself with you. That's why you've got to wise up in the midst of these things and not allow the enemy to instigate it, amplify it, because he always will if you open the door. The Bible says, be angry, but don't sin. So there are times you can be angry. There can, there can be times when you're angry with your wife, your husband, your kids, whatever. You're gonna, you can be angry, but it says, don't elevate to sin. What's the definition of sin? No, that's that. Yeah. But what's the scriptural definition? Knowing to do good and not doing it. Knowing to do good and not doing it. Are you hearing that? Knowing to, that's pretty much the foundational definition of sin. That's why people sit there and go, well, I didn't sin today. You sin all the time. You just don't realize it. You knew that that piece of paper fell next to your, the person's office and it fell there. You walked right past it. You didn't pick it up for them. But see that you knew the good, but you didn't do it. That is sin. Now, all of a sudden, we have a different mindset of what sin is. Sin is, you know, no, it's going to shoot someone. That's sin. Now sin's running that red light. Let's move on. The devil says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, notice how he starts off this little attack. What did Jesus, what did Jesus just get through hearing 40 days before this? God saying what? This is my beloved son in whom, in him I am well pleased. What do he say? This is my beloved son. What does the devil come in? If you're the son of God. Now think about that. And I want you to think wisely. Because what happens is, is you're going to hear stuff in here. And then the enemy is going to challenge you. Right Right when I said, talked about people and their choices. And it's all about image. I know I speak to a couple people in here. And I guarantee you're going to be challenged by the enemy on that. So what I advise to you is tell the enemy to it. Shut up. Not silencio. Go straight to I don't want to hear your nasty voice. Because you will be challenged. You're going to hear truths in here today. People will hearing things that are specific to them that you'll be challenged on. Fight the fight and win. Okay, just fight the fight and win. Overcome, overcome. Do not process anything but victory. I'm gonna overcome. I'm gonna win. So he's at his weakest point. The enemy comes in and says, if you're the Son of God, command these stones, become bread. Jesus said, answers what the enemy comes at him. Jesus answers, everybody say, Jesus answers. How does he answer? Stop it, devil. That's not right. I am not. He didn't do that, did he? He says, it is written. It is written. It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So the enemy comes in with him and says, I got some scripture for you. Jesus comes in and says, no, Israel, I mean, man shall not live by the word of God. Deuteronomy 8.3 is Israel in the wilderness, hungering, and then Moses tells Israel, man shall not live by bread alone. What is he saying? He's saying, Israel, you're in the wilderness, you're hungering, but you understand that God's word is your provision. And when you put God's word first, provision will come. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If you want to have provision, you've got to know what God's will is, what God's word is, and it will bring it. It will bring it. God's word will meet all your needs, but it's spiritual first, then physical. Okay. Spiritual first, then physical. You go physical before spiritual, it always equates to sin, always. If you're always focused in on the natural, always focused in on your needs, your wants, and you do it before God, it will, you'll always make wrong decisions, and you're going to go down a path of sin, and we're talking about actions of sin. We're talking about actions that take you, take you away from relationships. Not ever from the blood connection of family, but in relationship to how you deal with situations. God never changes. You're going to screw up. You're going to sin. You're going to fall. You're going to do whatever. I'm going to tell you right now. God is in his position. Great love for you. Doesn't change. But you, because of your failure and all the negatives, you perceive him to change. But he doesn't change. How do I know? Because that's what his word says. So ultimately, I gotta deal with what? It always gets back to what does God's word say? Mary, his great love for you was while you are yet sinners. That's it. So it will not change. The reason why most people fall or they get in this position of, of leaving church or running away from things is because they have a wrong view of God. That's all a wrong view. If you had the right view of God, you might feel bad. You're going to feel ugly. You're going to feel condemnation. You're going to feel guilt. But it's not because of God. It's because of us. This is how we do. We do the ugly. But when you get the word of God in you, you stop doing it. And you realize the further you get away, the harder it is for you. Quicker is just get right back. Turn, Father. My bad. I blew it. I sinned. I'm right back. Connection. Boom. Because you already know he forgives you. He forgave you when you were a sinner. Woo, pretty powerful. All right. So Jesus said what? I am the son of God. This is his reaction. Now, he doesn't say this, but what he's saying is, is no, if you're the son of God, he's going, no, I am the son of God. In his action, I am the son of God, but I'm not going to act independently of my father. I'm connected to my dad. I'm beloved. He loves me. He's pleased with me. You're trying to get me to act opposite of him, to separate myself from him and act on my own self-interest. And he goes, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And so he brings out the scripture. Man shall not live by bread alone, but out of the word of God. That's pretty powerful, right? Okay. So the enemy now goes, okay, I'll use the word. Let's see if you can obey this one. Verse five, the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on a pinnacle of the temple. He said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. So since you are the son of God, do this. Since you are the son of God, do this. I know it says if, but it's the Greek word since. All right. Since you are the son of God, do this. The devil took him up to the holy city, set him on a pinnacle, said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. Watch this. I'm I'm going to show you scripture. This is what the devil, I'm going to show you some scripture. He shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands, they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. Did he quote scripture? Yeah, but he does what the devil does. He didn't quote the complete scripture. He picked and chose scripture for his manipulation. This is what I've heard over the years of being a pastor. People doing this on a consistent basis. Husbands doing it. Wives doing it. Friends doing it. Workers doing it. Employees picking and pulling specific scripture to use as their bat. The Bible has to be communicated in context. Don't pull out a scripture to use it as a bullet or ammo. Context. Everybody say context. All right. So he says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. It is written. Now, he's quoting Psalms ninety-one eleven. Now, watch this. Here it is. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands, they shall bear you up. Lest you dash your foot against a stone. It goes on to say, You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion, and the serpent you shall trample under your foot. That's the completed scripture. It's literally, devil's pulling out a scripture that literally continues in the next verse, and the serpent will be trampled on. How crazy is that? He isn't even looking at that. He's looking at what he thinks is going to manipulate Jesus. The devil isn't going to quote truth. He's just not going to do it. He's going to quote the word to make him sound official. But you have to know the word. And the knowing of that word, the understanding of the context will set you free. Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. It is what? It is written, you shall not tempt the lo-. What's he saying? The enemy's saying, go ahead and jump. Now, uh, uh, when you look at historical fact of what's happening, Jesus is approximately 500 feet from, from the, the valley Kidred. So 500 feet down, the enemy has him right there, and he says, go ahead and jump. Think about how cool it is. Everybody's going to see you jump, and nothing's going to happen to you. The angels are going to get you. They're going to set you down. And look at how bad you'll look. Man, look at me. I jumped off this cliff. Yeah, landed that sucker. That, the devil's telling Jesus, do that. And think about how this will, people will love you. People will bow to you. And Jesus said, no, I ain't tempting God. What, where's the temptation? The temptation is what Jesus knows. So he, so he does what? He says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. But did you know the rest of scripture means you will obey his word and his commands and you will do right before him. Jesus knows the word. Now, he doesn't continue on that because that's what he's doing. He's living that way. He knows this. If his father said jump, he'll jump. But see, that's not his father talking to him. That's the enemy. Remember it said the devil So Diabolos, he's coming to him and he's tagging away at him, trying to find a weak spot. So far he hasn't found one, has he? No. So Jesus said, nope, I'm not gonna do it. The enemy is always gonna manipulate scripture so that you will do what? Follow his advice because anything manipulated is going to be tied to self-interest. In other words, that scripture benefits you for right now. That's it. That scripture benefits you right now. But in context, it doesn't benefit you. Like men like to use, this is old time. I mean, I I used to hear this a lot, but men like to use to the the wife, submit woman. The Bible says, women submit to your husbands. They're Lord over your life. I use the Lord over to Pastor Lyle, but I don't use the submit. The point is, is think about it. They use that scripture, but they don't use the context of scripture. And this is what Jesus is saying. The context of scripture being taught doesn't teach what you're trying to use it for. That's manipulation. And what does that mean? It's for your own self-interest, not God's, not people for you, and that's what I see people do it, and especially when it comes to marriage and things like that, they use scripture out of context for their benefit. Remember, the word of God has to be taught in the complete context, okay? The Father's not gonna be manipulated by us, you know, choosing partial scripture. Remember, God loves you. God's whole attitude is he's for you, Religion wants you to try to bribe God. Religion's trying to get you to do, look how good I am. See, will you do this for me now? And that's not what God's about. God's going to provide. He's going to take care of you. He's going to watch over you. You don't have to do that. You don't have to manipulate God. He's, he is who he is. But the enemy comes in on a whole different level, all right? Matthew 4, 8 says, that, again, the devil took him up on a seating high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said to them, all these things I'll give you if you fall down and worship me. In the Greek, if you fall down once, just one time, Jesus, one time, bow to me. Just one. I only need one time. I'm not asking you to do it all week. You don't have to come to this worship on Sunday and Wednesday. I'm just saying one time. I just need one. One time, bow to me, and my gosh, look what's gonna happen. So he says, just once, just once this, I'll give you everything. I'll give you all the authority, all the cities, all the nations of this world. All you have to do is bow one time. Think about how simple that is. The devil already knows why Jesus is there. He doesn't understand the whole context of it because a lot of stuff's a mystery. But he doesn't, all he knows is, is that Jesus has gone a path to destroy him and he's saying, hmm, let me see. Let me see if I can get a shortcut. You do this, Jesus, and you'll get there quick. You don't have to go through any pain. I, Isaiah shares that pain. The devil knows this. Did he not quote, quote scripture? He knows that Jesus is headed for some major pain. So his process is this, I can, we can, we can get rid of all that. We'll go bam right here and you will be the Lord over the nations. Now think about what's being said to them. Here's a, here, here's a, here's a shortcut. This is quick. You don't have to go through any of the stuff, all this stuff that's gonna be painful and ugly. You won't have to deal with it. Bow once, bam, It's yours. It's a temptation, correct? What does that mean? The devil's speaking fact, he can do that. But he's not speaking truth. He's speaking fact, that he can give that, but he's not speaking truth. And there is a difference, a big difference. Jesus is looking at him and saying, simple, bow, and it's done. Jesus said, away with you. And then he says, Satan, he hasn't mentioned his name at one point, but now he says, away with you. And Satan means you're an enemy, you're an adversary. So he calls it out in a whole different way now. And in the Greek language, it's a command and it's literally a shout. So don't think that Jesus is going, well, get away from me, Satan, you meanie He's literally out of the top of his lungs, screaming a command with authority. Get away from me. Now, that's pretty powerful because at that point, the enemy knows that he better get out of here. The Bible says, away with you, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Huh? He used Deuteronomy 6.13, but think about it. What did he say? The devil said, worship me, but never said serve me. Jesus pulled out a scripture that says, no worship, no serving. Are we going to pay attention or not? Okay. The truth is this. Anything you worship is what you serve. You're going to serve what you worship in your life right now. The things that you worship, you serve. It can be a sports team. I've seen it. It can be, you know, Walmart, whatever, whatever you worship, you will serve. And that's why Jesus said, you serve God and you only serve him. See, the enemy tried to what? He tried to deceive. He brought the fact out, but he didn't add the truth. The truth was, you bowed to me once, I own you. You now serve me. Oh, the nations are yours, but you serve me now. Woo! pretty powerful, huh? Are you guys hearing this? So what you worship, you will serve. The devil left him, and that literally means quickly get away. The devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered him. Luke 4.13 says this. When the devil had ended the temptations, he took off until he had another opportune time. In other words, that's just round one. But he's going to look for another time to try to come at Jesus. Do you see how the enemy works? See, you, you don't get to kick him out and he's never gonna come back again or you're never gonna have this temptation again or this test. See, it's, the key is, is understanding. Jesus had victory over him because he had the word of God. Remember the Bible says that, I think it's in Luke, it talks about Jesus at 12 years old and they were in town doing what they had to do as far as the customs and they all were in a big caravan. They leave Jesus at 12 years old, you know, everybody's all taken off, you know, okay, we're done with the fair, everybody go home now, and you're all leaving, but Jesus ain't around, everybody goes, you know, you're assuming, well, uh, Mary's got him, and Mary's gone, Joseph's got him, because they're separate, you know, they're doing their thing, and they're, everybody's leaving without, without Jesus, at 12 years old, and after, I think it was like a couple days, I mean, how freaky is that, I can understand an hour, or even a few minutes, Days, that tells you a lot about their parenting. I'm just saying. I know you want Mary to be all that, but come on, Mary. You're the mom. I mean, that should have been, you should have known. That's your firstborn. I mean, this is, you, this is messed up. So I know y'all want, you know, oh, Mary, she's got this halo around her. Right there, parenting 101, she messed up big time. Joseph, you can blame the man and go, well, you know, he's doing his dumb stuff, whatever. He's busy. He's you know dealing with the camels and whatever. Mary, on the other hand, so they both come back and you know they're like going, where's Jesus? He's in church. You want your kids to do the right thing? You leave them and all of a sudden you're looking around. They're at Love Life. It's all good. Yeah, because what was he doing? The Bible says he was listening and asking questions, and they were listening to the wisdom in that 12-year-old boy. How come he had wisdom? Because he was God? No, because he got the word of God in him. He took that word and was placing it in his heart. His parents come back and go, Jesus, come on, man. What are you doing to us? No, Jesus should have said, what's up with you, parents? I'm 12 years old and you leave me like that? No, what he said? He said, chill, I'm doing my father's business. I'm doing what I know my future involves in. I want my kids to be that way. I want them to be where they're totally able to live life and hang, not be three days without me, but be able to do things and know that inside they're hungering and passionate to know God's word. Don't you want that, parents? Come on. I'll tell you what, you know where it starts? You. Because if you're not hungry anymore, they're not gonna be hungry. It's an excuse. Always remember, action louder than words. All right. First Peter 5.8 says this. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The Bible shows us very clearly that Jesus was attacked. He had victory over the attacks because of the word of God there are things I said you do last week that I believe without a doubt will give you strength and ability to overcome and those things I I, I added an eight um, to that I know I talked about seven but the eighth one is is don't listen to yourself speak to yourself and I should have threw that in there right away it just it just passed my mind because it's what I do more than anything else it's when I talk about David spoke to his soul and he said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Well, that's pretty much David telling him. He's speaking to us. In in Psalms, he talks about, he speaks to his countenance, to God's countenance. And in that, he's saying, listen, my facial expression is gonna show how I feel. So I look to God's facial expression to get my facial expression. And when you get the word of God in you and you get that in your life, you will stop listening to yourself because you know how that soul is. It, it's, it, y'all got different personalities. And in those personalities, you're, that's where your soul thrives. But it's also an area where you lose. It's an area where you don't become strong because of it. So, you got to learn to dictate to your emotions. Learn to speak to your soul. Don't allow your souls. The, when you look at the Hebrew language, when it talks about when David said, My soul is disquieted within me, it literally means it's moaning and groaning. Like your stomach, when it's hungry, it's saying, Will you feed me? And you're like going, I eat two hours ago. It's going, I don't care. I'm still hungry. And that's literally what the soul does it moans and groans. No one likes us. They didn't say hi when we were at church. Maybe they were busy. But we allow our soul to get us in trouble. How come they invited them and not me? How come they got this and I didn't? And your soul does this stuff. And if you keep listening, to it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to talk you into poverty. It's going to talk you into sickness. It's going to talk you into failure. I just... It's just the way it runs. It's tied to that flesh. But when you build your spirit, you tell your soul. No, you bless the Lord. You don't forget his benefits. You bless him. You talk about his goodness, his mercy. You talk about all these things. And it, it tells your soul that, no, I'm not in control. Spirit's in control today. Amen. So that's so important when you do this, this happens. Therefore, submit to God. The word submit is a um, military term. It's a term that understands position of authority. So it's not a, a, a place of, okay, I'll do what you want. It's a place where you're saying, no, that's my authority. I have to do it. I have to do it. Submit to God. I'm under his authority. I submit to my My captain, my general, I submit to him. Why? Because I'm in this army. I'm I'm in a I'm in a warfare. I'm in this army, and it is a fact, historical fact. When you see an army without authority, you see a defeated army. You take out. That's why. In from. I mean, you read all history in the area of battle and warfare. The first thing they want to do is they want to take out a captain. They want to take out the, who, who's leading, and that's what they want to take out. Once they take him out, it causes confusion. Now, until another one rises up and takes his place, they're weak, and that's what people do. They go after who's in charge. Well, my captain's Jesus, so he's not going to be taken out. So now it belongs to me. I'm, I'm the next in line. But I understand the authority, and I'm submitting to his authority. So it said, submit to God. Then it says, do something. Resist. Everybody say, resist. Another military term. Paul loves to write military terms, and I understand it because he was in jail most of the time. But he sits there and says, resist. And that is a position of holding fast, and not moving at all. You are standing in place, you are in position, and you are aware and awake. He said, resist the enemy. Submit to God, resist the devil. Resist who? The devil. What am I supposed to resist? Well, what is diabolos? It's the process of how the MO of Satan works. He's trying to find the place of weakness up here. Nah, you're no good. You'll never make nothing. Your mama doesn't love you. Oh, you don't like that one, huh? Your mom doesn't like you. You know she don't like you. I don't know why you keep trying. Your mom actually hates you. I heard her say it. And so he gets to a place where he, he gets your attention Before you're like one, how stupid. My mom does too like it. Oh, he knows he's got you. He's got you. So what we have to do is we have to be wiser than the enemy. How do we do that? Submit to God, resist the devil. And the Bible says when you do those two things, he will flee. I'm ready for the enemy and all the other things to run away. And the reason why is because I'm going to be standing with an attitude. I'm going to be fiercely opposed to the devil. I'm going to be fiercely opposed to falling to temptation. Why? Because it's me. It isn't God. It is not even the devil. Now, again, he can work in the mind after you choose to go to that channel. After you choose to view that channel. YouTube. After you you choose, then he comes in and amplifies your choice. But the devil can't make you sin. The devil can't make you fall. You choose to. And I just empowered everybody in here to get you to realize that this is your choice. Stand fast. And when you've done all the stand, stand. Be unmovable. And when you're in a position where doubt or you're not sure, then do the best you can do in this. Stand anyway. Because ultimately, you serve Jesus. And if you can't think of anything else, say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And when you talk that way, the devil ain't going, he's not going to even hang out with you. Temptation's going to run. But we're so easily... Manipulated or moved by this flesh, this nature, by people. Listen, you're bigger than that. You're bigger and better than that. The blood of Jesus was shed for you. That's your value. You're priceless. Now let's take it out there and start proving how valuable you are. Quit bowing to losers, quit succumbing to people and manipulation. Stand fast. Child of God, you're royalty. You are valuable, and you are worth it. No matter what they say about you out there, no matter what people are trying to convince you of, you start looking at the Word of God. It's going to reveal who you really are, and who you really are. You're awesome. You are awesome. Father, we thank you for the Word. We thank you for the truth of the Word of God. And Lord, we, we want this operating at a high level in our lives. And it starts with understanding. We understand, God, that you aren't the one doing these things. Tests come, and we get that, but it's to make us stronger and better. But it has nothing to do with you. Testing takes place. Testing happens. But you're not doing it. It's here. Temptations no way come from you. They have nothing to do with you, but it's by us. And so, when the temptation comes, we understand that it's we made that choice. So, we're going to unchoice it. We're going to unchoose it. And we're going to start doing what we know is right. And that is not falling down the path of failure, but standing up for the path of victory. That's our desire. That's our will. And that's what we speak forth from this point forward victory and overcoming because we are the winners. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all, love you guys. You're awesome. Go out there and beat the devil up, amen?